At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Hello, everybody, and now, welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kikinata, joined by Aaron Sutton Josh and Joshua and House. Aaron Miami Dolphins set to take on the New England Patriots. Miami Dolphins still fighting for a playoff spot as the New England Patriots will come to town and try to knock off the Dolphins and win the division, the AFC East, at Hard Rock Stadium. Will the Dolphins have a say in making that not happen? It's going to be tough for them with Xavier Howard, most likely 99% chance out of the game unless some miraculous recovery occurs before Sunday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the whole Dolphins offense, the Dolphins defense stacked up against the Patriots offense and the Patriots defense. If you remember last time, the New England Patriots just gashed the Miami Dolphins when they went up to Foxborough earlier this season. James White scat back out of the backfield for the Patriots, had a huge game. And the Patriots have only gotten stronger since that point. The good news is New England has struggled mightily down in Miami over the past several years. No matter how good or bad the Dolphins have been, it always seems like they find a way to win this game. As many term it the Dolphins Super Bowl. How and I do want to spend some time on that main point right there. The Super Bowl for the Dolphins. As I just said, it always seems like this late in the season, New England's coming to town. 
It always seems like the Dolphins are out of the playoffs, and it always seems like the Dolphins are trying to spoil something for the Patriots. But in a way, it's it's a crappy feeling because, you know, why? Why does this have to be the Dolphins' Super Bowl? Why can't they be fighting for a playoff spot? Yes, they have messed up the Patriots in the past, you know, taking away their home field advantage when the Patriots came down and had that crazy game plan where they basically ran it the entire half. And then by the time they tried to change it up, it was too late. Uh, Sutton Houts, you know, the Dolphins have won four of the past five meetings versus the Patriots at Hard Rock Stadium in December, January games in Miami. Miami holds a 16 to 5 edge over New England, including a 6 and 2 mark since 2000. That is a, uh, it's not an abnormality. It's, it's something that goes on with the Patriots when they come down here. They, they just struggle. And it just seems like the Dolphins have their number, almost like the Ravens have the Dolphins number all the time. So for you, Sutton, you know, let's start right here. Dolphins Super Bowl. Dolphins are still having a slim chance for the playoffs, hanging on by a thread. But it looks like, again, the Dolphins could be playing spoiler, not only to prevent them from winning the AFC East, but also possibly preventing them from locking up the number one seed if the Dolphins win this game. Your thoughts, Sutton? It's a double-edged sword because... You know, like you said, we're usually in this late season melancholy. We're not sure what's going to happen with a potential playoff berth. And usually the Patriots either have the division wrapped up or about to win it just like this week. But on the other hand, we're one of the better teams against one of the, if not the biggest NFL dynasty ever. So we're one of the better teams against them. So I think that's worth a little something. And you saw a couple years ago the butterfly effect of beating the Patriots later in the season when they had to end up going to Denver in the AFC Championship game. And it looked like it did have an effect. And Denver wins that game, goes on to win the Super Bowl. So you, you see that even if you're in full tank mode, how winning a game like this is actually important. And I, I – love and relish every opportunity to poop on the new England Patriots as much as possible, as much as they've pooped on us. So it's just a matter of respect to throw that back at them. So, you know, it's, it's a little shaky this time with all the injuries are going on. It's tough to have as much like David versus Goliath zest as I'm used to having for this particular game, but I can't deny the fact that it's going to be, a very fun game to watch. Yeah, and this is absolutely our Super Bowl. No matter what New England does, I mean, they've been dominant for the last two decades, it seems. And the Dolphins, you know, they finished mediocre eight and eight, seven and nine, whatever it is. They just haven't been able to take over the AFC East, except for that year when Brady went down and Matt Castle took over the Wildcat. We all remember that. But no matter what it is, I mean, this this rivalry right here is proof that. Any given Sunday, a team can win, and divisional rivalries, matchups in within your division are key and crucial and can go either way. I mean, I remember back when Jim Bates took over in 2004, Dolphins were 3-11 after this game, and they won 29-28. I remember they were wearing their orange jerseys. It was a Monday night game. A.J. Feely was a quarterback. We all remember that guy because, you know, the Dolphins had to give up a second-round pick for A.J. Feely. But no matter who it is, no matter who's at quarterback, the Dolphins and Patriots game, the Dolphins always play them tough. And lately, I mean, you see the articles. Ryan Tannehill has had Tom Brady's number in Miami, you know, why is it the house of horrors for Tom Brady in Miami? I mean, I feel like the media is setting this up to be a game where New England just comes down here and beats the shit out of us. I think I think it could happen. I, I hope it doesn't, but that's just how things are seeming to set up this weekend. But overall, I mean, we all hate the Patriots. It, it's sad that you sit here and 
you think that the only way the Dolphins can win the division and compete is if, you know, Tom Brady rides off into the sunset or Bill Belichick moves on. I mean, it's pretty sad that that's your best chance at winning the division. And that's just how it's been lately. You got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the best head coaches of all time, and we've just been unlucky. But no matter what happens, no matter if we if we have one win heading into this game, you know, no matter what the circumstances, the Dolphins always play New England hard, and it seems like in South Florida, Tom Brady uh, unfortunately turns into Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and he looks more like you know a Ryan Tannehill or something. So it's an interesting matchup. It's going to be fun to see what the Dolphins do because, I mean, they still have hope. They still have a chance to – go out there and win this game and keep their playoff hopes alive. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out here and match up versus a team. Like you said, this is our Super Bowl. So let's talk about the breakdown with the Dolphins versus Patriots. Tom Brady, obviously getting up there in age. I do think he has shown signs of cracks in his armor this season, despite some people saying he's playing just as good as ever. But I don't think that's really the case. I think we have seen him uh, fall off a bit. Uh, not, not noticeably a lot, but enough to say, okay, this isn't the same Tom Brady that we're used to in the past, but even still, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's not like it's a huge drop-off from what he once was. When you look at his offensive line, when you look at his skill players on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they got Josh Gordon, who has been good for them. You know, he he seems to be quiet most of the game, then all of a sudden they get him involved and he scores a key touchdown for them. In the slot, they got Edelman. They got Chris Hogan. They also got Corderell Patterson, which they've been using more as a running back lately. They just got Rex Burkhead back. They have James White. They have Sony Michelle, who is a very tough runner. Of course, they got Rob Gronkowski, who's been banged up a bit, who hasn't been a shell of himself either. Their offensive line, you know, they, they have guys who you don't really hear about a lot, but they get the job done. Tom Brady, according to Next Gen Stats, total time to throw from the snap of the ball till the time he throws it, 2.59 seconds. That is fourth worst in the NFL. But Tom Brady is so good at getting the ball out quickly that his offensive line only needs to do what they need to do in order for him to stay upright, and they have been doing that. Tom Brady, his average intended yards in the air is 7.4. That is worse than Ryan Tannehill, who is just above him with with 7.8. So again, Tom Brady's not throwing a lot of deep passes. He's not doing a ton. It's their typical underneath passing routes where they get the ball in the playmaker's hands and they do what they have to do. The Miami Dolphins defense is going to have a tough challenge without Xavier Howard, who I think went under surgery, even though Adam Gase would not confirm it, just by the body language of Gase and and the way he was talking. Most likely a scope puts you out of several weeks. So when you're looking at the Dolphins defense and without Xavier Howard, you probably have Mika Fitzpatrick maybe shadow Josh Gordon or just stay to one side of the field, but I think he's smart enough to be able to shadow and figure that all out. Then you're bringing up a guy like Tory McTire, or you're putting Bobby McCann on the outside, which we know how much of a disaster that is. My, I think what I would do is I would let Minka shadow. I would keep McCain in the slot. Don't, don't screw up anything else. Let him be great in the slot. And then put McTire on the boundary and see how he can hold up. How's what would you do if you're the Dolphins defense? Yeah, I think Xavier Howard, what happens with him? I mean, I know by McCain jokingly, it seems, may have said that he thinks that Xavier Howard can go, but if surgery did happen, which it does kind of lean that way, I think the Dolphins are going to be in for a tough task. You mentioned Mink on the boundary, obviously. I mean, that's kind of where he's played. He's become a 
shutdown corner. I know it's early to say that, but he's thriving at that position. Bobby McCain, nickel. You got to hope that a guy like McTire or Delaney, the guys they just brought in. I mean, you need one of these guys to step up in his absence, and it's kind of going to be what makes or breaks this. The thing I'm most fearful of is that Tom Brady, he smells that stuff. He's like a shark in the water. He smells the blood. He knows if a guy like Torian McTire's on the outside there, whether it's against Edelman, you know, Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, one of these guys, I mean, if he's lined up across from them, he's probably going to take a chance and throw it their way. They know how good Minka Fitzpatrick is, so he's going to be, like you said, shadowing Josh Gordon. It's going to be a tough matchup, and we saw what they did earlier in the year. I mean, they kind of had their way with the Dolphins. It was Sony Michelle's coming out game, 25 carries, 112 yards. They have a three-headed monster in the backfield. It's going to be tough for the Dolphins to counter the Patriots' offense. And again, we talked about it earlier. They keep going out there. The media keeps, you know, picking and prying, saying how this is Tom Brady's house of horrors. This is what's giving him trouble throughout the years. And I'm just scared that he is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to go out there and have a Tom Brady game. I mean, he's been struggling this year. No one can argue that. But it, all it takes is one game and and one team to, you know, be vulnerable. And I think that's going to be the Dolphins' defense without Xavier Howard. Uh, I wish he could come out there and play, but it just doesn't seem very likely. On the offensive side of the ball, for the Dolphins, you have Ryan Tannehill. Of course, you got Devontae Parker. You got Kenny Stills. You got Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, who's nursing a shoulder injury. But it's not an impressive group. And it's definitely not the same group that they had when they went up to England and got beat 38-7 to earlier this season. The Dolphins have struggled to put points on the board. We said last week on the podcast, or actually not last week, but earlier this week in the Bills recap episode, that the Dolphins should have lost the game against the Bills, and, and they should have. And Tom Brady's not going to overthrow his guys like Josh Allen was. And then again, Tom Brady's also not going to run around like Josh Allen was, so you kind of give and take there. But when you look at the Dolphins' offense, who are struggling to score points in the Patriots' defense, is always pretty good. You know, Even though they're not statistically the greatest in the NFL, they always know how to pressure, and they've been dialing up some crazy third-down blitzes over the past few weeks. We know how much the Dolphins' offensive line struggles with blitzes and stunts and so forth. Adam Gase even admitted it as such in a press conference several weeks ago. With Jake Brendel re-injuring his calf in practice earlier this week, he is going to be most likely out for Sunday's game versus the Patriots. The good news is that Travis Swanson, the center, will be back, most likely, but he's still got Ted Larson at left guard. you got Laramie Tunsil playing a lead at left tackle. you got uh, Jawan James at right tackle and Jesse Davis at right guard. For you, Sutton, when you look at the Dolphins' offense and Ryan Tannehill, who still needs to prove himself over the next several weeks to ensure his future in Miami, and then you look at the uh, Patriots defense and you figure out, you know, everything they're trying to do. You got Trey Flowers, you got Lawrence Guy, Malcolm Brown, who have all come along this season. Of course, you got Dante Hightower, one of the best linebackers, in my opinion, in the game. Jason McCourty, Patrick Chunge, Devin McCourty, Stephon Gilmore. What the Patriots have been doing on defense lately, Sutton and Houts and everyone who's listening, is they like to double the, uh, not the Dolphins, but the opponent's number one receiver. Then they like to put Stephon Gilmore covering the number two. Then they have the linebackers or an extra defensive back cover the guy coming out of the backfield. We know the tight end position is basically non-existent on this team. So for you, Sutton, with that, with that tidbit in mind and with everything the Patriots do on defense, how would you attack them and how would you counteract what they're trying to do? When you look at that first matchup, pretty similar offensive output to what we had last week, about 175 yards of total offense. So it was a complete disaster the first matchup in Foxborough, Brian Tannehill really looked skittish in the pocket and he was just terrible under pressure. And it was one of those games. And we've seen these out of Ryan 
over the years were the pocket presence and the there seemed to be some predetermined throws to he doesn't go through his progressions or anything just kind of locks into to one guy and it there's just not great timing in those types of uh deep shots that he's taking and stuff like that. So that's what you saw in that first game. What was disappointing is the first throw that he had was a really, you know, it was a rope to Kenny Stills for about 20 yards, if I recall correctly, intermediate part of the field. So I think that's going to be something that we're going to need to do against New England is get Kenny involved in the middle of the field. I'd like to get Devontae deep, but really overall, we can't be cute against New England but we can come out swinging. So I want people to see the difference there. I'm not talking about doing a bunch of uh, flea flickers and stuff like that. That kind of crap isn't going to work on New England. But coming out swinging is so just for example, I'm talking maybe come out in 31 personnel. So, yeah, get Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and Kalen Bollage all on the field all at the same time just for – the sake of something that they maybe haven't prepared for. And then you have someone like Kenyon Drake, who's good as a receiver, maybe in the slot, maybe out wide, depending on maybe if you want to run a screen to one of those running backs, two of them flanked out to the left, say, and then maybe you have Kalen Bollage, who's in the backfield, who does have some background throwing the ball a little bit at Arizona state when he's in the wildcat. So um, just be creative here. Go to 13 personnel. Hell, let's flip it. So let's get three tight ends on the field and let's come out and pass maybe uh, the first time we come into that personnel grouping. So let's just try to keep them off balance somehow. We're going to have to establish a run game at some point. So I think the more balance we have, if we can get the play action pass going, that's going to be great. But it's really all going to come down to whether – Ryan Tannehill scanning the field, going through his progressions and seeing something and letting it rip. I want to touch on that Wildcat for, for a bit because this almost been about 10 years since the Dolphins unleashed a Wildcat on the Patriots. I remember that game. Uh, it was crazy because Dolphins had a really rough start. I think they hadn't won a game yet uh, to start that season. Which thought the season was basically done. And no one expected the Dolphins to even put up a fight because the Dolphins had been getting beat pretty well. Uh, in those first few games. And then all of a sudden you get Ronnie Brown and, and, and everyone else just going crazy. And it was like, what is going on here? This is amazing. And we're all waiting for the Patriots to figure it out and stop it. And they couldn't figure it out for the entire game. And it was magic. Is it time to bring the wildcat back for this? Just one game. It's a gimmick, but considering everything in play, considering that you don't have Xavier Howard on defense, considering that Tom Brady's going to target, those guys, like Hout said, he's, he smells blood, and they admitted as such in interviews and in documentaries that they go after the weakest link on the defense, and he will. To keep the Patriots off the field, do we see a rendition of the Wildcat with Kalen Balazs coming out of the backfield, possibly throwing passes and throwing the Patriots all off? What do you guys think? Here's what I'll say, and we'll get to some of this context later in the show, but if you're Adam Gase and... I'm sure he doesn't read the news or he claims not to. But if you have the possibility of not having a job at the end of this year and you're worried about your owner having some hard feelings about a boring offense and fan you know, apathy, 
wouldn't you want to come out swinging, like I said, and, and do something spicy? So is the, is the Wildcat something spicy enough? Yeah, it's got to work, obviously. It's got to be something that gets us down the field. But I wouldn't put it past Adam Gase to do something both snarky like that and hope that it's effective. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if he's essentially battling for his NFL head coaching career you know sure we might see another job down the line but you don't know what Stephen Ross and those guys behind closed doors have talked about and this is a division matchup this is against New England Patriots this is the team that has been kicking your ass for the last decade if not longer I mean if you can't beat them what can you do for my football team I mean uh, I get the injuries but you got Ryan Tannehill back he's been you know you've been using that as an excuse for most of your coaching career it's time to go out there and show him like this this is our team I mean you're still alive in a playoff hunt you got to think Adam Gase is laying it all on the line out there because, I mean, he came in here to be this offensive mastermind, this guy who can turn the offense around, and we just haven't seen it yet. I mean, he needs to do something. Something has to change. And a win against New England in Miami to keep your playoff hopes alive, I mean, what more could you ask for? You're right. The offensive guru, the offensive mastermind that he had promised or everyone had thought he was coming into Miami. And you would think, right, this is his game to shine, right, because you got – the greatest on the other side and Bill Belichick. And I hate saying that, but it's just a fact. The greatest NFL coach in history. Uh, yes, uh, Don Shula was a phenomenal coach, but Bill Belichick has done it in an era where there's free agency and salary cap and, and all that complicated stuff going on. And he's done it with different players. Bill Belichick is a mastermind of a coach. He's a mastermind of defense. Adam Gase is a supposed mastermind of offense. We haven't seen much of it in his tenure in Miami, or some say we have seen a lot because of all the injuries and what he's doing is miraculous. There are both sides to that fence. But this is the game where Adam Gase should be able to come out and say, I'm going to play chess with you, Bill. And uh, what you're going to do is I'm going to counteract and we're going to battle back and forth. So ideally, realistically, if everyone was matched up the way they're supposed to be, if Gase is this offensive guru, if Belichick continue his defensive wizardry, which there's no reason to believe he won't, this game should be close. One of them has to give. And based on recent history and, and long-term history, it would leave me to believe that the Patriots would win out on there because we've seen Adam Gase and we've all doubted his ability to adjust. I mean, he is one of the best in-game adjusters, but in terms of figuring the other defense out and, you know, not, I don't want to say not adjusting, but, but not, getting the help that his players need, like in Cincinnati, when he didn't give, Lear, uh, not Laramie Tunsil, but you know the, le the left tackle when Laramie Tunsil went out, not getting help on that side. What do you guys think? You, do you think this is the game where Adam Gase finally clicks for him and, and he comes out firing at all cylinders and the Dolphins just put a smackdown on the Patriots? Or do you think we see more of the same here? It's hard to tell. We've just seen inconsistency all across the board from the players and from the coaches. So we've been bitching and complaining about the the poor opening scripts in the beginning of the season and then the last two games we come out and score the first possession but then after that we don't do well on the other games we don't do well early and then pick it up later so we just haven't had a game other than Oakland where the the offense really clicks and and it's fun product to watch we just we it's been too sparse the most sad thing of all of this is we start out 3-0 and we got our hopes up just to be crushed. But this team has been a teeter-totter up and down each week. I mean, last week they made 
Josh Allen look like a freaking, you know, like he has, he's going to be an elite quarterback in this league. I mean, it's, it's tough to decide, but I think it's going to be one of those games where New England keeps hearing about it. Tom Brady, you know, he's done. He's should ride off into the sunset. You know, maybe, maybe they're not as big of a juggernaut as many think. And the house of horrors that I keep touching on that the ringer went out there and they, they brought that article. And I just feel like this is a game that all of us as dolphin fans, you know, we have hope that they can go out there and, you know, they beat the Patriots. They're seven and six. And, okay, you can beat the Patriots. Why can't you run the table the rest of the way? But I think New England's going to come in there and they're going to be pissed and they're just going to do New England things. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Dolphins to beat the Patriots, especially without their best defensive player, Xavier Howard. And we usually see the Patriots coming to Miami with not a lot to play for. They want the number one seed because they know if they have to go to Kansas City, then chances are they may not make it out of Kansas City advancing on to the next round of the playoffs. So the Patriots are fighting for not only to stay on track for the number one seed, but also to win the division. So you know they're going to be coming out firing at all cylinders, and when we see them coming out like that, it hasn't been good news. So before we move on, any last thoughts on Dolphins versus Patriots on Sunday? Just real quickly, defensively, that first game against the Patriots, I really think the defense got exposed and we saw some foreshadowing about some of the issues we'd see throughout the season, some of the coverage issues. So where we're really going to get tested on Sunday is the communication with new people in the secondary and stuff like that. We saw that play out week four, that pick play and Cordero Patterson just has a wide open catch on the sideline, runs it in for a touchdown. So it's going to test our communication. I say at the same time, play single high, play man, let put them on an island and test the fact that New England is going to want to throw it to the running backs and tight ends. Those are the people that we should really be focusing on. Yeah, in that first game, you look at it, New England went up 35 nothing pretty quickly. It was late in the third, uh, fourth quarter when the Dolphins finally scored Brady 23-35, 274, three touchdowns, two interceptions. A lot of their work came on the ground. I think it's going to be the opposite of that. I mean, they saw a vulnerability there. The Dolphins' run defense has been atrocious this year, but it seems to, you know, aside from Josh Allen, you know, it's starting to become a little bit more respective. I think with Xavier Howard out, they might pick on those corners. Uh, I think the Dolphins, like Sutton said, you need to stop those – those tight ends, those backs out of the backfield because the last time this game we previewed it, I, I, Sony Michelle, he wasn't quite that hot commodity that he is now. I thought he was going to have a big game because of the type of back he is. I, they have three packs that can catch the football. All of them are fast on the outside. I mean, they can run between the tackles. They can do pretty much anything. It's going to be uh, the Dolphins need to play a perfect game if they want to compete with the New England Patriots on Sunday. And you just said it, Houts. You just said it. They got to the edge, and we've been talking about the wide nine and some of the deficiencies there. That was the first time where I was like, whoa, we have, we, we run the wide nine. How are they getting outside all the time? And Sony Michelle just kept getting chunk yardage, chunk yardage. They ended up having 36 minutes time of possession, and it's just, you know, we had 10 penalties, just uh, more recipe. In our view. And moving on from the Patriots versus Dolphins on Sunday, we will see how that all plays out at Hard Rock Stadium. The Dolphins, of course, trying to stay alive in the playoff race. The Patriots trying to do their own thing at the top of the AFC, but let's switch gears here and kind of look ahead to the off season and not really look ahead in terms of saying the Dolphin season is done because they're still alive. 
and they still have a chance to make the playoffs if they went out and they do what they need to do. But let's talk about some relevant topics in the offseason that are impacting what's going on this season or what this season is impacting what's going to be happening in the offseason, if that makes sense. And that is Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunsil. Xavier Howard is a lockdown cornerback. We've talked about this in our recap episode. But he's going to be a free agent after next season. And uh, he is going to command big, big money. And he's probably going to end up being the highest paid cornerback in NFL, possibly NFL history. Because we always see these contracts pop up for a bit and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Xavier Howard was a second round pick. So he does not have a fifth year option. When you look at Xavier Howard, you look at the impressive numbers he has put up this season and even going back to last season. He not only leads the NFL in interceptions, but several of his picks have come in pivotal moments. Of course, week two against the New York Jets, flipped momentum. Week three intercepted David Car- Derek Carr twice, including a pick in the end zone to seal the game, basically. And then, of course, you know, in other games this season as well, he has 11 interceptions in this past 17 games. His seven interceptions lead by one, Kyle Fuller and DeMonte Casey from Atlanta. They both have six. Going back to week 13, 2017 to present, Xavier Howard has 11. Next closest, Kyle Fuller from Chicago with eight. His seven interceptions this season are tied for ninth in team history. He's the only cornerback in Dolphins history to have multiple interceptions in consecutive games. And he's now done it twice, dating back to 2017. And then this season versus Indianapolis and Buffalo. If he was playing on Sunday, he's had Tom Brady's number. He may have turned it three consecutive games. Because last season, he became the first player to intercept Patriots quarterback Tom Brady twice in the same game. Since Indianapolis, Mike Adams had two interceptions against him on November 16, 2014. So when you look at his numbers, when you look at the crazy numbers that come out for contracts in the NFL in general, and then when you look at the big numbers that come out for cornerback, and the problem also is that we don't know who's going to be calling the shots. So, Sutton, you look at Xavier Howard, you look at his contract, what should the Dolphins do with Xavier Howard? I also think it's hilarious that he got Demarius Bilbo. There's going to be so many great Bilbo jokes. But at the same time, the Dolphins should probably pay him. But let's kind of just take a look at this big picture. So we have to talk about his knee. And I think, in my opinion, we were talking about this before the show. In my opinion, we should just shut him down for the season. He's too important of a building piece for us and his knees. Now, I, I did get worried because, you know, he had the knee procedure going into, he missed some time in training camp, his rookie season, and then he ended up missing nine games his rookie year having a meniscus thing, same knee. So I wanted to make sure it wasn't the same knee that he's dealing with here, and he is dealing with the left knee here. At the same time, I told myself after that Tony Lippett injury, his Achilles and him getting released, and I I was really high on him. I, I told myself at that point that you have to take every injury very seriously with an NFL player and he's just too important. I want to be able to invest some serious money in him because he does translate at this level. He makes the plays that 
need to happen. This is the new model of NFL defenses is turnover based. And that's what he generates for us. So that costs money. And I think he deserves that. I also said on a previous show that I think cornerbacks are going to start getting paid higher amounts, even proportionally to its peers, because I think that position is going to become more important over time. So I definitely think we make the investment. We just have to be smart with his health right now and making sure that he has the longevity that we want. We want to be able to invest those dollars in him, shut him down for the year. Yeah, I think bringing in Bilbo Baggins kind of changed a lot of things. I mean, you saw him when he left the Shire in one of the Lord of the Rings movie. I mean, the guy just has balls, and he goes out there, and he got Jarvis Landry, a number one wide receiver contract. I mean, uh, I think you got to be a magician to get that done, no matter what you thought of Jarvis Landry. That's pretty damn impressive. But I'm torn here because you look at the Adam Gase that we just discussed, and, you know, maybe he's fighting for his coaching career, and – what, you're going to sit your number one cornerback? I mean, it, it's a little different if he did have surgery, like it's being reported. I guess he was not on crutches, which may, you know, be shines of hope. But it's it's tough for me to sit here and say that Xavier Howard should go out there and play because this guy, it, you just saw Le'Veon Bell sit down an entire season because he was worried that he might get hurt and miss that huge payday. I think the Dolphins absolutely have to pay Xavier Howard. We've not seen a defensive back like this in Miami for quite some time. I mean, this is what we kind of hope Vontae Davis turned into. I mean, maybe he eventually did become that before dropping off the face of the earth. You know, Joe Feldman got rid of him because he had to take a piss. But uh, for me, Xavier Howard, they absolutely have to pay him. They need to do it sooner than later because, as we've seen in the past, this team seems to wait, and then their price tag just continues to go up and up. I heard somebody, I think it was Alfredo, he went out there and said that he sees a 5 or $6, 90000000 million deal, maybe something like that. I, I'm not sure what the numbers will be, but – Kanata said it best. I mean, every contract from here on out is going to just top the next. And you got a guy like Xavier Howard. He's super young. He's showing that he can make those plays. He can be that factor in the in the passing game. Seven interceptions. He's leading the NFL right now. He has two in, what was it, five games throughout his career. He's just an impressive defensive back. And as the NFL continues to go to this, these high-octane offenses, the offenses that are like the Rams and the Chiefs, these pass high-octane passing attacks, you need to have a shutdown corner. The Dolphins cannot let Xavier Howard go. Do whatever it takes to sign that man. And if it's me, you know, maybe Adam Gase wants to start Xavier Howard, but I'm sure Xavier Howard and his representation, uh, Bilbo Baggins, they do not want to have him go out there and continue to re-injure himself. So it, it, I'm torn. Dolphins, their best interest is to start Xavier Howard, but uh, I don't think they do it. Xavier Howard will make a whopping $1.9 million next season, guaranteed 1.285 of that. The Dolphins, if they were smart, they'd do the contract this offseason, but we know they're not smart. <laughs> We've seen it happen over and over again where they don't get a contract done and then you're into a lockdown situation. While they could franchise him after 2019, and that's very possible they could, they still have his rights. Who knows what everyone's going to be doing now with Le'Veon Bell holding out this season and everyone getting a front row seat to that. We don't know how the landscape's going to change from year to year. Now, again, there might be a different front office calling the shots this offseason, and in that case, maybe you get a general manager who likes to be aggressive with contracts and lock the right guys up early. And I say lock the right guys up because the Dolphins locked the wrong guys up in the past. 
They locked up Andre Branch. They locked up TJ McDonald without ever seeing him play a freaking snap in the NFL on their team. They rewarded him based off practice. Practice? Practice. So history is not on this front office's side, but that's another conversation for another episode. So we'll see what happens there. But another player who they're going to have to pay is Laramie Tunsil. His contract expires after the 2019 season. He was a first-round pick. So how it's for you, Laramie Tunsil? Do the Dolphins pay him? Or do they end up letting him walk when his time is to go? Heading into this season, I think one of the biggest question marks and kind of something we thought would dictate how the Dolphins played this year was Laramie Tunsil. I mean, he was struggling up until this year. He was a guy who, you know, many thought might have been the consensus number one pick when he came out. He fell because of the video. We all know that right into the Dolphins' laps. But what he did this year, I don't know if it was Josh Sitton coming in there. He had that veteran presence to kind of show him the right way to go about things. He's just having one of the best seasons that you've seen from a left tackle and in recent memory, uh, I don't think he's given up a sack all year. He almost had that pressure that led to a sack where Ryan Tino threw a pass to Devontae Parker. But overall, Laramie Tunsil has been everything you could ask for from a left tackle. Many people think that that might be the most important position on an NFL roster because, let's be honest, he's protecting your quarterback. And you look around the league, the Taylor Lewan, Nate Solder, Jake Matthews, Russell Kong, those are the top guys right now. And it looks like they're getting about average $16 million a year. There's no reason to believe that the Dolphins won't drop, you know, 16, if not more than that, in Larry Tunsil's doorstep. Because, uh, just like we said with Xavier Howard, every year you see a new player get it, get it, get his paid, and I think Larry Tunsil's do that. I think he's going to become one of the top paid left tackles in the NFL, and I think it's rightfully so because, again, it's one of the mo- more important positions on a roster. He protects your quarterback, and as we know. You can't do much without a quarterback, so uh, it might be a little bit premature, but the longer you wait, the more his price tag is going to continue to grow. Uh, much like with Xavier Howard, I'm signing uh, Laramie Tunsil sooner than later. Here's what I'll say. You know, he's going into his fourth year. You mentioned the you know inconsistency to begin his left tackle career, but I do think he's one of, if not the best, young left tackle in this league. He'll have the fifth-year option, and I want to give a quick shout-out to Josh Laser, who rightfully called me out for something that I said on a previous show about Xavier Howard being a no-brainer for a fifth-year option. Well, Matthew just said it earlier. He's not eligible for the fifth-year option. He was a second-round pick, so I appreciate him uh, letting me know that. Anyway, so Laramie Tunsil is qualified for the fifth-year option, and I think it's worth it for the Dolphins because a fifth-year option would cost, you know, somewhere around, let's say, $10 million, let's say even up to $11 million. The fifth-year option would cost that much. Nate Solder just signed. That's the richest free agent contract I've seen for left tackle recently. He was at four years, 35 guaranteed, fully guaranteed the first two years, and then, you know, some roster bonuses later and stuff like that. But that would be, I think, something fairly reasonable. So if you look at maybe a four or five year contract at about, you know, twelve to thirteen, maybe even up to fifteen million per year guaranteed for you know, and and, and let's remind everybody that, you know, a four year contract's more like a three year contract and a five year contract is still more like a three or four year contract. There's always an out later for the organization to get out of this contract. But with that being said, I think uh, he's going to represent good value later on because, like you said, Houts, it's one of the most important positions in football. And we're looking around building 
around the a left tackle and a cornerback to the most important positions in football, both young players that have been productive. I think it's going to be good for the organization. I just think letting him play that fourth year is going to buy us a little time in case something crazy happens because we do know that stories change fast in the NFL. It's crazy how the whole thing happened with him at the draft. He was rumored to be going number one overall, number two, number three overall. And then he drops all the way down to Miami. He plays left guard his first season because the Dolphins have Brandon Albert. He plays good. He plays very well. And then he transfers to left tackle and he struggles his second year. And then he's really turned it up this season. So, you know, when you have a guy like that on your team, you don't let him go. You, you do not let him go. You keep him on your team. But they're going to have money locked up with Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunsil. How do you get that money? Well, you got Ryan Tannehill, your quarterback, scheduled to make $25, $26 million next season. That money can easily go to one or both of them. And it's going to be interesting the decisions the Dolphins make this offseason to get them pointed in the right direction. Now, I said that we're not going to talk about the front office and we're not going to talk about the entire uh, blow up this episode. And we're really not going to. We're just going to touch on it because of the fact there was a tweet on Thursday morning from Pro Football Talk that said if and when Jim Harbaugh ever returns to the NFL, it would be with the Miami Dolphins. And we need to discuss that because it's relevant. It's in the news today. And it's going to continue to linger. And it has lingered ever since Steve Ross has courted Jim Harbaugh from when he was the coach of the 49ers trying to replace Tony Sperano. We know Michigan is Ross's baby. We know he's donated millions and millions and millions of dollars. He built a building in his own name on campus there. Steve Ross has a ton of say in what happens at Michigan. But if Jim Harbaugh were ever to say that he wanted to leave Michigan, I think he'd have a front row seat in Miami and would be given the job right away. With all that's going on this season, even with the injuries, how do you think Jim Harbaugh ever comes to Miami? I don't, and part of that is me just being a pessimist. I mean, I, I as much as anyone, when he, when the Dolphins flew west, when Stephen Ross hopped in his helicopter and went out there to, when many of us believed to bring Jim Harbaugh to South Beach, I was so excited. I remember reports saying, you know, he was the guy. It was almost official, and then we all know what happened. I mean, I was heartbroken. So for me, I feel like as a Dolphins fan, you are just. Uh, your entire life, you're just going to be miserable. Nothing good's going to come of it. So for that very reason, I don't think he's ever going to come to Miami. I do think that it's going to be hard for uh, Stephen Ross to go out there and get rid of Adam Gase, who he went out there and said, you know, this is my young Don Shula. I said a couple times on Twitter, how are you going to give Joe Philbin a fourth season, at least a chance at the beginning of the year, to prove that you're the head coach of this team when you got a guy that you had all this confidence in, he was your guy, He you, you pegged him the next young Don Shula. I mean, barring some crazy end of this season, you know, maybe a mutiny in the locker room or the Dolphins just lose out, I don't see anything happening here. Jim Harbaugh, he would be great for this team. I mean, Tom Gamble's there with him. Why can't he bring him along? Tom Gamble, GM, Jim Harbaugh, the the coach. And, I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach. He had Michigan number one in the country up until Dwayne Haskins went out there and destroyed them. But could you imagine what a Jim Harbaugh could do for this defense, this young team that they have in place? I mean, it would be amazing to see. I I like Adam Gase, but if there's one head coach that I would today, tomorrow, I will throw Adam Gase to the wolves for Jim Harbaugh. That would be my guy. I've wanted him since they tried to get him earlier and I don't think it'll happen, but sign me up for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. It's hard to tell what's going to happen here because 
know, Ohio State just made the changing of the guard from Urban Meyer to Brian Day. And, you know, Jim has his Michigan guys there. So if he does leave when he's just now getting his kind of culture established and all the recruits that he had a, you know, sunk his teeth into, so to speak, probably slept at their house and stuff. If he's going to leave Michigan at that point, I would actually kind of be worried about him kind of the Dolphins because I'd be worried about where's your heart? You know, I, I'm back in Nick Saban territory now. Is your is your loyalty with college football? Is it with the NFL? I'm not really sure. And if I'm going to make a leap with a coach, I want to feel pretty convinced that they're going to be there as long as they can possibly be. And that would be something kind of weighing in the back of my mind with Jim Harbaugh. But here's what I want to say. If he does come, I would not be surprised if he brought Colin Kaepernick along with him and we would just watch Dolphins Twitter just burn to the ground. I wouldn't be surprised either because they support Kenny Stills, who is doing the same things that Colin Kaepernick is doing. Colin Kaepernick gets in trouble from people because he was the first one to do it. But the Dolphins are fully supportive of Kenny Stills and everything that he does and Kenny Stills and Colin Kaepernick talk and work together, I, I presume, uh, on social injustice and everything that goes on with that. So, yes, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, so let me throw this at you. If Jim, if John Harbaugh became available, but Jim Harbaugh didn't, so that Harbaugh last name and Ross is very close to the family, do you think he chases John Harbaugh and would you want him to? I would say absolutely, freaking lutely you get that deal done. I would say yes, too, because he has established success with the trenches, and I think that's something that's been sorely missing with the Dolphins for a long time, to just have that physicality. Let's use this weather to its advantage and wear people down. I mean, that's what, that was the mastermind behind this whole stadium. So let's get physical, and let's use that advantage, and I think either Harbaugh would be a, an upgrade on that front. Yeah, I agree. Either John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh would be an upgrade to what we currently have. I mean, you saw what he did there in Baltimore. He won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive in itself. Uh, he's just one of those guys who just understands football. His coordinators are always good. His defenses are always good. You know, they're pretty solid on offense. I mean, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, I'm in it for either of them. I mean, I I like Adam Gase. I hope he succeeds because if he succeeds, that means this team's doing good things. But if you can get John Harbaugh, what he's done there in Baltimore, the stability they've had, I mean, they've been consistent contenders pretty much each and every year. I mean, that that's hard to overcome. He's kind of like that Marvin Lewis or the Andy Reid, you know, who was with one team so long that they're just trying to move on. I, I don't know if they get rid of him because Baltimore's still in the thick of things. And with Lamar Jackson, you're starting to see hope. But if, if John Harbaugh's available, uh, go out and get him. We are recording this podcast in the middle of the Titans-Jaguars game. And I just need to say, Derrick Henry is going off. He just scored another touchdown. This is his third touchdown of the night. 99-yarder earlier. This one, another long one. Previously, he had about a 20-yarder. This one is a 50-yarder. Derrick Henry, what a freaking night. That, that's, that's actually his fourth touchdown. He is up fourth to Fourth touchdown, okay. It, is up to 50.9 points in standard fantasy football leagues. I mean, this one has bonuses. He has 219 yards rushing and four touchdowns. 
That, that is unbelievable. And it, it, what's funny is it's week, it's week 14, and they finally realize that they have Derrick Henry on the roster and they should give him the football. It, it's just mind-blowing. If, if, if anyone started Derrick Henry in fantasy, and I'm sure there are people who did, you just advanced to the next round of the playoffs. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I know this is the Dolphins podcast, but, uh, you know, we're watching the game right now. I just had to interrupt because he is just going nuts right now. That's insane. I just picked him up on waiver wire too. I have a playoff buy this week. So man, and he's got a giants matchup next week. So might have to start him. Yeah. I'm checking all my leagues right now and I'm not playing him in, in any of them. Thank God. He, he did it on 11 carries <laughs> 219 yards on 11 carries. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. All right. 20 yards a carry. <laughs> Jesus God. That is absolutely insane. All right. Um, let's get back on track here. Uh, we talked about Harbaugh. We talked about Ross. We talked about Xavier Howard, Larry Tunsil. We broke down a bit of the Patriots Dolphins games, and that's been the news this week in Dolphins land. Basically, right? I mean, if the Dolphins lose on Sunday, their season, for all intents and purposes, is basically officially done. Um, yes, they could still find a squeaky way in a nine and seven, but they probably would have a one percent, maybe less chance to even get in. So the Dolphins need to keep their playoff hopes alive, their slim playoff hopes alive by beating the Patriots on Sunday. We've seen this story before, fellows, where they beat the Patriots and they lose to an inferior opponent like the Jaguars in, in this season or the Bills like it was uh, several years ago. We'll see what happens, and then we'll take it week by week and bring you the news week by week. Any last thoughts before we wrap up the show, Sutton? Win, lose, or draw last four games of the season, the final 25% of the 2018 season. Appreciate the football that we have, no matter how you feel about the current state of things. We know we yearn for this each and every year, so let's enjoy the games that we have left. Yep, the offseason is way too long for as much as we look forward to the draft. You know, hope the Dolphins do this or that. Enjoy it, because right now we're 6-6. Six and six. You know, you might not think we have a chance, but mathematically they still do no one wants to see new england beat the dolphins this weekend go out there wear those throwbacks proudly and let's just hope we have a competitive game because that one earlier in the year 38 to 7 it was ugly so you just got to hope the dolphins go out there beat the patriots move on to minnesota continue their streak but ultimately just enjoy football because it's going to be gone before you know it and if you need a reason to figure out why to watch these games if the dolphins do in fact lose on sunday just watch the young guys develop and just watch the Dolphins just to watch the Dolphins because as you both said, come March, we'll all be dying for football again. So enjoy it while it's here because you know it's a long off season. That's going to do it for us here this week on Finsider Radio. Make sure you check back on Monday or Tuesday with our recap episode of the Patriots versus Dolphins game and where the season goes from there. For Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, I am Matthew Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.